Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer and I talk all about heels. That's right, the greatest heels in the history of pro wrestling. I give my top five, Tommy Dreamer gives his top five, and also we get the top heels from our listeners, the Busted Open Nation. Also, we have two of the top heels of all time joining the podcast today. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and the Prince of Darkness himself, Kevin Sullivan. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. We had Ted DiBiase on the line, you know, now this day and age of using Zoom. Ted DiBiase was there, and then, Tommy, you opened your big mouth, and you said, don't embarrass. And I said, well, yeah, I do what I do. I'm LaGreca. And then he hung up. He's gone now. Absolutely. He realized he has a price, and he's not going to sell out to you. (laughs) But we are going to have a giveaway for the Busted Open Nation Uh, This is extremely exciting. We're going to have a chance for a nation member to win four tickets to a virtual fan experience with the Million Dollar Man. So we're going to get the Million Dollar Man up, and he is going to give us all the details. And then we're going to have the nation give us a call and have a chance to win and hang out with the Million Dollar Man on Zoom. Let's uh, go back to the nation. Why not? All right. I told you. Didn't I say we're going to take phone calls? And there we go. Let's get back to the very busy phones. Let's go out to Al in Ontario. Al, what do you got, my friend? Hello. Hey, Al. How are you? Not bad, buddy. How are you doing? Good, brother. What do you got? Give us some of your greatest heels of all time. I've only got one, and he's the greatest heel of all time, was the Royal Exalted Sheik. Sabu's uncle, all you got to do is go out and find the VHS or beta tape called I Like to Hurt People. He was the greatest United States champion of all time. He sold out Cobo Hall more than anybody in Detroit, and he's never remembered anymore. 
Al, I have the VHS tape of I Want to Hurt People. Um, I love that movie. <laughs> he is amazing. Um, and you're right. I mean, Tommy is representing the Sheik today because he's got a Detroit Lions hat on. So he's representing the Sheik in the great state of Michigan. Al, uh, I can't argue with the greatest heel of all time being the original Sheik. You have the best. If you watch that movie now, even at 60 years old, poop touches clock. He still scares the hell out of me. Al, Al, awesome call. There's Al, there's something called the internet. You can go on something called YouTube, and you can still see some of the Sheik's matches. Maybe you were at ringside, and thank you for the call. Yeah, thanks thank for the you, phone man. call, Have Al. A great day, hey. You got it, man. Al, when this show is over, is going to throw his Betamax tape into his Betamax machine, and he is going to watch I Want to Hurt People. I think that's amazing. Good, good call know, by Al. The last time I saw a beta machine was at Paul Heyman's house where he had not one but two beta machines and all these old school MSG shows. And I was like, you have a beta beta machine? Back in the day, those were expensive as can be. And uh, the fact that he still had, I was like, oh man, I would. you should convert them one day. wonder if he still has them. But yeah, I love the fact that the caller said a beta machine. That is old as old school. Gabby doesn't even know what the hell we're talking about. No. Like, what's an alpha and a beta machine? So, yeah. Uh, Ted and Gary, and I got to give a shout out to our engineers today. Ted and Gary, they've added another phone line. So now we have 38 phone lines available for phone calls. Now they made the extra effort to get us an extra phone line. So now instead of 37, which I can't believe Gabby and guns were able to get that done. We now have 38 phone lines available for the busted open nation. And I'm telling you right now, Tommy, each and every line is lit to talk about the greatest heels of all time. Let's go out to another Jay in St. Louis. What's going on, Jay? Hey guys, happy Heel Day to you That's guys. That's right, hashtag Heel Day, Jay. Absolutely. So uh, my list, uh, I started watching regularly right after the Ruthless Aggression era started. So all of my heels are going to be from that uh, era and to today. Uh, number five is going to be Vicky Guerrero because when she Still said on. excuse me, the booze came out, you know. And uh, number four is Eric Bischoff. He, I, I hated him as general manager of Raw, and I, I popped like crazy when he was fired. He did a great job as a heel. Number three is going to be Edge. He was a great heel during the Ruthless Aggression era. Number two, Randy Orton. Ooh. And number one, the first person I truly hated in wrestling, Triple H. All right. I mean, all from that era, Jay, really good list. And Jay, a, a younger fan, grew up during the Ruthless Aggression era, and that's where his list is based on. But Tommy, I don't care what era you watch professional wrestling. I think, to me, again, I have my laminated top five list, and this man is on it. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, now joins us here on Busted Open. Mr. DiBiase, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're great, and it's it's an honor to have you on. And, I mean, honestly, like, when you hear that you were the most hated man in pro wrestling, I mean, how does that make you feel? Because you're a good man. You really are. But when it came well, to seeing yeah. you on TV and in the ring, you were not.
I think we lost. Uh, I think he got offended by what I said, Tommy. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> think- Zoom meetings. I don't have Shiny Gashi, but. Oh, gosh. Can you hear me? Yeah, we, we got, got you. We got you. We have you. We're there. Okay. We got, we got okay. you, Mr. DiBiase. All right. Well, I mean, I love to hear that because that meant I did my job well. Fans tell me all the time, they go, gosh, you know, uh, I don't be offended, Mr. DiBiase, but I hated your guts. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much. That means I did my job very well. That's awesome. First time you turned heel, was it in Mid-South? Uh, yes, I turned heel on the Junkyard Dog. The uh, the, the uh, angle was they did a deal where uh, I was going to uh, – we were going to have a match to determine who was going to uh, uh, get the shot at the North American title. And so it came down to me at JYD. And of course we cut the baby face promos, both of us, uh, you know, we're, we're good friends, but uh, let, you know, business is business, let the best man win. And then uh, we have the match and the L goes where I started. I used to do as a baby face, I would uh, do a spinning toe hold funk move into a figure four leg lock. So I do the spinning toe hold move and, and uh, JYD kicks me off. I take the bump over the top rope to the floor. He stops the referee's count, gets out on the floor, helps me up, rolls me back into the ring. And I roll to the middle of the ring, go on the tights, load the glove. And when he goes to pick me up, I give him one, one uppercut. Uh, he dropped like a brick. And, and I mean, the people just went crazy. <laughs> Watch, I'll tell you what. Bill Watts, in my estimation, was one of the greatest minds this business ever had. And I give him a lot of credit as to my education to the psychology of, of pro wrestling. Wow. And, you know, you mentioned the Junkyard Dog, one of the biggest baby faces of all time, one of the most loved wrestlers of all time. Did you have any near call, near calls, especially in Mid-South, especially in that era when it came to the fans and the hatred that the fans had for you? Um. Yeah, occasional. I'll tell you, the, the, the funny story is that as soon as I turned heel, uh, Grizzly Smith, who's basically, that's Jake Roberts' dad, and he was kind of like the, the agent who showed up at all the shows to let everybody know what they were going to do that night, you know, and, uh, and what have you. And so I told Grizzly, I said, look, I said, first time I wrestled JYD in New Orleans, I said, I am not driving my car. And he said, why? I said, you know why? I said, because when I come out, it'll be on blocks. I mean, the fans <laughs> back then, they took their wrestling real serious, and especially in New Orleans. And so he said, okay, well, then ride with me. So I rode down there with him, and uh, he's neutral, right? <laughs> and so uh, you know, we have the match, and I told Dog, I said, look, I said, I said you can't just roll, roll out there like you normally do. I said, all these people... Thank you that you just been screwed by your best friend. So you hit the, you know, you hit the door on dead run. And then when you slide in, I'll slide out and run around the ring and I'll roll back in. You roll back in and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll stop you and shoot you in for a clothesline, duck a clothesline, come off and, and hit me with whatever you want to. And just keep coming and I, until I say quit. And then we, we, we got him up as high as we could and he's getting ready to thump me. And I look with the glove again him out and so we'll see you again next week so i get back in the dressing room and i'm showered and everything and grizz comes walking in and he just puts both his hands on his hips and he's just looking at me shaking his head 
I said, what's wrong? And, and, and I said, is there something wrong with the match? He said, he said, no. He said, the match was great. I said, so what's wrong? He said, they slit my tires. All four of them. <laughs> and so he says, we're going to be here a while. See, I, I told him, I said, see, I told you. I said, they slit your tires. I said, I wouldn't have had a car. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing, Tommy. Isn't that great to hear stories like that? Yeah, man, that's old school. I mean, uh, yep. you haven't. It's it's a lost art being a heel. Plus, with all the times that we have, I mean, I've been a part of some real heel heated moments. But that generation was that was like Teddy said, it was his job to control the environment for people right. to hate him. And he, you know, and you right. also Ted, you talk about, you know, you have Bill Watts, but you, your mentor uh, Terry Funk was probably one of the greatest heels of all time and just did things. Yeah. I would always remember that unpredictable factor when you would see a Terry Funk match where he'd go like he was getting into the ring and then mm -hmm. he'd turn and like snap like at a fan and you would see everyone draw back because you didn't know who he was going to hit or swing his chaps at and it was just right. like those little things where when you know a wrestler reacts and the fan jumps back like that's psychology 101 in the sense of you don't know what this guy's going to do because he's crazy and he's a badass. Right. And, and you're right. And I, you know, and I didn't, I didn't wait till I got in the ring to start for healing. As soon as I left the dressing room door, as I walked to the ring, I would stop occasionally and I would just look at people, you know, I'd look at them and like, like they're dumb. Right. You know, and of course people can read body language like that, you know, and then, and, and some, you know, they, you know, I remember in, in this, you'll love this story. There was this one little old lady who was always at ringside in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> she would just stand up and give me hell, point her finger at me. And so, and I would just give it right back to her. Nah, 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 nah. So I think I was wrestling uh, Jim Duggan and we did some spot and I, I rolled out of the ring and I, and I, I backed up to the, the guardrail, the barricade. And all of a sudden I, I feel this searing pain in my right but <laughs> I spin around and hit somebody, lady, and she had hit me in the butt with a hat pin about two inches long. I mean, <laughs> I went from I went from mad to almost busting out laughing, but I, you know, I had that one coming because I had hit the hell every time I went to the ring. Fun, that's fun stuff. Um. You know, uh, I always talk about on this show, the first wrestler that I really kind of got behind and I felt it helped me fall in love with pro wrestling was Tommy Wildfire Rich. And you had a great feud with Tommy Rich in early 1984 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And then the whole match with Mr. R that we all thought was Tommy Rich under that mask. And it turned out to be Brad Armstrong. I mean, you know, talk about that feud and, and what it was like in Georgia at that time. Well, I mean, that, that, that program right there kind of set things that it kind of brought a, a revitalization to, to the territory. And actually, I think, I think Buck Grobley was booking at the time and that angle, I had already done that angle, but I had done that angle in mid South, if I'm not mistaken with junkyard dog, where we had the loser leave town match and everybody figures I'm going and, uh, I, I, I win the match and then, uh, he, he showed up the next week under the mask. And of course, everybody knew it was him and I'm screaming and hollering. I said, everybody knows it's junkyard dogs as well. 
all you got to do is unmask me and prove it, you know? So, uh, similar, but I think, you know, I don't think it was Brad Armstrong. I think it was Tommy Rich because everybody, I mean, the, the blonde hair is hanging out under, I know. underneath the mask. <laughs> Everybody knows it's him. It was, it was, it was the same <laughs> angle. So we had, we had a, we had a blast with that. All I, I mean, do, yeah. All you got to do to prove it is unmask me, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're saying, Mr. DiBiase. As far as I know, what I was watching on my TV when he was, when you unmasked him, it was Brad Armstrong. That's what I'm going at. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna. That's how I remember it. It was Brad Armstrong, not Tommy okay. Rich. <laughs> Well, maybe I forgot. <laughs> and then Ted, you have a, a different type of character revival when you come to the WWE's yep. million dollar man and it's off to the races as top, top heel in the company, top, top heel heat. And, uh, you know, you were part of probably one of the largest watched wrestling matches, uh, at, you know, the Saturday night's main event, just you being that heel, were there any times in WWE where you were like, this is too much heat or you feared for your life or there was about to be a riot? Um, you know, I don't think I ever had that feeling uh, in WWE. Um, you know, in, in Mid-South, it was, again, it was old school. It was, you know, there wasn't as much, there was, there was security, but I mean, even Bill Watts would tell us, he said, look, you're a heel. He says, uh, you better know this. If you ever get in a fight and you don't win, you're fired. <laughs> so you had to be able to take care of yourself uh, for sure. Uh, but, you know, being that, you know, Vince had, had come out and publicly, you know, told the whole world that wrestling was sports entertainment, uh, you know, and the security was a whole lot better. I don't think that I ever got to a place where um, I, I feared like that. Now, there were a couple of times publicly when I, you know, when I, you know, being in a, in a club or something where, you know, somebody had a little bit too much to drink would come up, say, Oh yeah, yeah, you're that guy on television, blah, blah, blah. Try to pick a fight with me. And, uh, but the one thing I always did when I went, I'd go into restaurants and, and, and nightclubs and I would tell the people at the front door, I go, look, I'm just here to have a good time. I said, I would appreciate it if you keep an eye on me because every now and then somebody comes up and those guys really appreciated that. And so I, I never really ended up, ended up having any, any issues like that. Never. You know, Ted, something that you're doing um, on today's show and moving forward here is I know that you're giving away uh, right here on today's show, which is very rare. I mean, a million dollar man actually giving something away to the Busted Open Nation, but two sets of four tickets to a virtual fan experience with you, the million dollar man. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So tell our, tell our fans about this experience and what we're going to be giving away on today's show. Well, what I'm doing is uh, this virtual fan experience is, um, you know, there's there's three packages, you know, like for a hundred bucks, you get a five minute Zoom call, personal uh, interview with me where, you know, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And you get a copy of that call uh, as well as the Zoom, the Zoom call, as well as uh, an item autographed and a, a social media shout out. That's the hundred dollars. And then for 75 bucks, it's more of like a panel at a, uh, you know, at, at a, uh, 
Omicron where there's a lot more people on the call and people, you know, people will at random be able to ask me questions, but everybody there is, is, is on the same call. And that's, uh, I think the $75 uh, package. And then for, you know, and for like, I think it was 35 bucks. I can't remember now. I've, I've let my, uh, the guy that handles all this stuff for me do all it. But, uh, I think for 35 bucks, you get, you get a story. One of my stories, you don't know which story you're going to get. But one of my, uh, one of the stories that I tell, you know, plus, uh, an autograph and a shout out. And that, uh, those are the three packages. And because for timing's sake, you know, we didn't know and how, how, you know, it was work. So we're going to do this tomorrow's the first day. And then, uh, and then Saturday will be the second day, this coming Saturday. And then, then next Tuesday will be the last. We're doing it over a three-day period. So, you know, it, we didn't know what kind of volume we'd have. So we wanted to make sure that anybody that did want to do it could 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 join in on it. So that's what we're doing. You know, it's, it's a new thing for me. It's a new world we're living in. So we're going to see how it goes. And I appreciate you guys having me on to tell everybody about it. No, absolutely. And we're going to give away two sets of four tickets to this amazing virtual experience with the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Unfortunately, we're going through this pandemic, but you know what? I think this is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Take advantage of the times that are going on right now. And to be a part of this experience, especially at this time with a Hall of Famer, with one of, as we've been saying all show long, one of the greatest heels of all time. We're going to give you all the information and all the information on how you can win um, over the next couple of minutes here on Busted Open. But first, Mr. DiBiase, always a pleasure having you on this show. Thank you so much for the time today. Hey, guys, thank you for having me and uh, uh, I'll be happy to come again anytime. Thank you. Appreciate it again. Ted DiBiase. But But as I go, remember, always remember. Whether it's your birthday, whether it's Father's Day, whether it's Christmas, everybody's got a prize. Our man. Talking to the biggest names in pro wrestling. WWE Hall of Famer Edge. I had to start with Randy. I knew that coming back, having this cherry of a story dropped in his lap, that Randy would step up. He just needed something to be able to sink his teeth into. But then the next night after the Rumble, when I heard people screaming, I was like, oh my God. This feels like old school NWA Dusty Rhodes. Like, this is what I was hoping for. I was like, man, this is going to be so much fun. Busted open. Monday through Saturday, 9 to noon Eastern. By the way, I totally forgot that 96 Survivor Series. I know I've told you this story and I probably said it on the air. Um, the finish of that Survivor Series where they switched the title. I did the night before with the camera and Brian Lee. And when they aired that the next night, I was I was livid. I was going crazy because I was like, they stole my finish. How did they do it? And this didn't air on television for ECW. And Paul, I went nuts on Paul. And I was like, you're a stooge. You told them all this stuff. And he basically said, he said that he saw uh, Howard Finkel in the audience and he tried pitting on Howard Finkel. And then I hit up Howard Finkel when years later when we were friends and I asked him, he's like, Tommy, I did not do that. <laughs> but Paul tried blaming Howard Finkel for stooging off that finish. And I asked both Sid and Sean about that. And Sid was just like, I don't know, Vince just came in and changed. It wasn't the original one. And Sean 
uh, said, Vince, just change it like last minute. And I was just like, that was mine, you sons of bitches. Bastards. Bastards, I tell so you. So serious. And, oh, man, you don't know. You don't know the crazy Tommy Dreamer. By the way, when we had Ted. I don't want to know the crazy Tommy Dreamer, to be honest No, no, no. You. It was just like everything was so garnered towards wrestling. And my whole life was just, there was nothing like sidetracked. I mean, it, it, it was nuts. It really was. But uh, when Ted, we had Ted DiBiase on, I wanted to call Rob Van Dam and wake him up and have like pretty much Ted DiBiase just wake up Rob Van Dam and then hang up on him just like to prank him because a young Rob Van Dam was uh, his first foray into professional wrestling when he had to kiss the million dollar man's feet on national television. Nice. Nice. All right. You mentioned the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. This is your time, Tommy. Give us your top five, starting with five, your top five heels of all time. Well, as I said, Terry Funk is number six, but you had me to go number five. <laughs> okay, again, you know, I did say top five. Honorable five, six, mention. We always have uh, to go that way. This is the uh, hardest thing to do, Dave. You sit there and laminate your list. I go I and think. Then the nation makes me change my mind. Anyway, number five, <laughs> the million dollar man, nice. Ted DiBiase. We just had on number five, million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Number four. Number four, I feel he's probably one of the top heels of all time, but due to the fact that he's a pretty darn good baby face, but making a lot of money, make, making people mad, Triple H. All right, Triple H. And again, you, you mentioned your criteria earlier. Your, your criteria is not only heat, but tickets sold, money. So those are your two for the criteria of your top five heels. So at number five, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. At number four, Triple H. Who do you have at number three? At number three, though I feel he should be number one, but I couldn't put him at number one just because I felt the other two were so, so strong. But a man that never worked as a baby face. And when I tell you, I don't think in this generation, he would even be on social media because he knew it was his job and he hated, hated, he loved to be hated, ravishing Rick Rude. And I was fortunate enough to spend time with him and he just totally just wanted to do things to have people despise him. Number two will be our next guest because of what he represented. He represented Satan. He was the <laughs> devil. And he, there is no top heel in the world than the devil. But this was Kevin Sullivan. And it was so, so real. And it was even realer to me because of what he did to my hero, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. But a top, top heel. And he was one of those people, like, it was always, to me, plotted evil. And even though he didn't have the push he had in WCW with the whole varsity club, he still was just this evil person where, you know, I at any moment you think you would take out his golden spike and just stab you to death right on television until you came back next week because it's weird. It's weird. And my number one heel, and I think this is going to piss you off, Dave, but I just think he has to be for number one, the money that he has he became the greatest heel of all time because of something that happened behind the scenes. And I know he really wasn't a wrestler, but there's also times where he's the number one heel in the real world. And not for me, but for the character, Vince McMahon, because without 
Vince McMahon character. I don't think we would have had the Stone Cold Steve Austin take off the way he did. And Vince McMahon, the character, whenever he came out, he would just resignate pure hatred to the wrestling fans. No, I uh, I can't argue with you. For those wrestling fans. And you got to give, I always give him credit because he wasn't trained to be a professional wrestler. And he had some really, really good wrestling matches. He also, you know, he got hurt in wrestling. And he also did a lot of things that someone, you know, taking those bumps. I remember when he took the bump off the cage, he's not, you know, he wasn't a, a trained wrestler to take bumps, but he went out there and did things. And that's why I have respect for him too, because, you know, as we all say, he didn't do anything that he would make his wrestlers do something that he wouldn't do himself. And then he went out there and in his what? late 50s early 60s took amazing ass bumps and bled and got his bell rung and did everything the boys did yeah i mean think about that match at wrestlemania 26 with bret hart wasn't much of a match but the beating he took from the entire hart family in arizona at wrestlemania 26 and i can't fault you i i don't hate I hate the list at all amazingly enough tommy usually when we do this list our lists are very very similar because in a lot of ways we share the same brain only two of your top five heels are on my list tommy so after we have Kevin Sullivan, who's going to be joining us in just about five minutes. I'll unveil my top five and a great a great list from Tommy Dreamer. Let's continue to get lists from the Busted Open Nation. Let's go out to Walter in New York. Walter, what do you got for greatest heels, my friend? Well, I'm top my list. I got Greg Valentine because of all the time I've ever seen him wrestling, I've never seen him get pinned. And, uh, all right, so Greg yeah. Valentine. That's a good one, Walter. I got uh, Ken Patera. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, Doc Wesner, and Dolph Ziegler. All right, Walter, that's a good, that's a good list. Uh, Dolph Ziegler, interesting one. I didn't expect to hear Dolph Ziegler's name. Brock Lesnar, as we know now, Tommy is one of the most hated wrestlers for sure. Um, Greg Valentine on his list. Ken Patera, that's an interesting choice too. Pretty good list, Tommy. I like the list because you can tell he's. Uh, an old school fan, but he also recognizes new school talent because, you know, his first one, I'm going Greg Valentine, say, oh, this is a guy who's watching from the 70s uh, into the, you know, 80s. But man, he was all over there. And and Do- listen, Dolph Ziggler has been a guy, you know, to me, he's one of those guys that has been an unappreciated heel. But if you think about whenever they need somebody to go to, they always go to Dolph Ziggler. And when he was getting the push that, you know, he had gotten hurt when he was the champion, but Dolph Ziggler is a great person who you want to take the handcuffs off of him too and let him be a heel. I mean, even his social media, he's heel Ziggler. He loves being the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he really does. He embraces it. There's no doubt about it, Tommy. Yep. You know, and also we'll go back to that Royal Rumble. You know, you watch the first part of it, that the first two entrants, the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, were there any two better heels when they first started? But because they were such good workers and such strong uh, in-ring performers and, and talents, they could just go and go from heel to babyface. I mean, you look at the Rockers, they were beloved. And then when Sean turned heel, it was like, we hated your guts. And then when he turned babyface, it was like, oh my God, you're the best. And uh, that's that's the beauty of this because of the emotions that 
we can control or they can control. I mean, the Undertaker too. He's the Undertaker. Then he goes to the badass. Then he comes back as Undertaker. I mean, there's a reason these guys are, are legends in professional wrestling. This week on World of Basketball, Kelly Olynyk and Kevin Pangos, two former Gonzaga stars, join the show. And Kevin spoke about the time he dropped 48 points on the Golden State Warriors, Andrew Wiggins. He gets mad when, when people say that because he, he said he was only guarding me for half the game. So. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in high school, there was one game we played in, uh, in a tournament and it was one of those games that everything was falling. I think I also threw up a lot of shots. Um, <laughs> the, the, the highlights don't show that, but yeah, it was one of those games where things were falling and, and had 48. New episodes of World of Basketball are available every Thursday on the Sirius XM app. Pandora and Apple Podcasts. And we have had an amazing reaction from the Busted Open Nation giving us their list of their top five heels of all time. And somebody who was on your list, Tommy, and somebody that is going to be on my list when I unveil it after our next guest. And that is the Prince of Darkness himself, the one and only. Kevin Sullivan. Mr. Sullivan, how are you this morning? Great, Dave. How are you and Tommy doing? Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How are you, my darling? <laughs> Sitting in your on? lair of evil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Just... I, I love the topic because there's so many different eels and there were so many great different heels and and different eras, you know. And and the and there were a lot of them were very different. A lot of them were similar. But the thing about them, and I don't have to explain it to you two guys. The thing that makes a heel a heel is that people believe. You know, they say, "Yeah, either yeah." You know, and I think that's uh, the, the great heels, and you've worked with 99% of them, Tommy. You know, the, that that's what they, and they only get what a baby face gives them, too. So, you know, a baby face of the caliber makes it so much easier. You, well, I mean, worked as a baby face as well. And who would you say are some of the greatest? Because, I mean, you ha you're my number two greatest heel of all time uh, just because of that fear. And you had that mystique factor of, you know, we didn't know anywhere you're coming. Plus, if they've ever worked with you, you really are a heel. Um, Ken, who was some of the greatest heels you ever worked? The greatest heel, I think, of all times is the Sheets. I mean, and... The reason why I say that, you know, he was kind of the, I don't think there would have been an ECW without Sheik. He was the forerunner of hardcore wrestling. And I got a story about the Sheik that I don't think a lot of people know. <clears throat> Back in the day when wrestling was on the Dumont Network and it was on uh, NBC Nationwide, they had two national television programs coming out of Chicago. 
And so wrestling was red hot. They were like, and they were twice a week. One of them was Monday, Wednesday. The other one was Tuesday and Thursday, I believe. Well, the Sheik was going to wrestle Luthez. And Luthez, as most people know, was accepted by everybody as the ultimate and legitimacy. And in, on loose cards until the uh, few times when they had conventions and had wrestling matches, or I say conventions, when the NWA met, that they would allow Mildred Burke, who was a real shooter, and June Baez wrestle. But other than that, you couldn't have midgets or you couldn't have women on the card with Lou. And Lou hated... He absolutely hated gimmick wrestlers. And somebody, he saw Lou come in the building. He was supposed to wrestle Lou. And Lou made a comment in passing, like, you better tighten your boots out. Well, the Sheik went outside, and there was a snowstorm in Chicago, and he buried himself under the bus in the snow. And the police came out, and he stayed under the bus for an hour before they could get him out. And the mattresses, you know, uh, disqualified or whatever they wanted to call it. Well, the next week they came back with the match, and the, uh, it was a forfeit if he didn't show up. And they turned like 3,000 3, uh, people away. And Fez loved to work with the Sheik because he said he, he was so innovative. But, I mean, I, 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 when I went to wrestling, I'd been wrestling amateur for 10 years. I knew it was, you know, you couldn't take a guy and be on by his ear and all that. And the Sheik came out and he wrestled, I believe it was, Antonio Pelaglesi. And I actually felt the building shake. And I thought, wow, this guy is real. And my Sheik would be 1A, 1B, of course, is Terry Funk. I mean, they, they, the Funks and Sheik and Abdullah, you know, they set Japan on fire and put it on fire for years. But, yeah, uh, the Sheik is my number one with Terry and very close to. It, 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 it wouldn't matter who was one or two, but uh, the Sheik was like my uncle, so I really enjoyed him. Uh, and I had the pleasure of seeing you and Sheik work in the original ECW. And we talk about one of our first early houses of it's like, oh, my God, you can't move. It was, you know, you and Taz with uh, Sheik. And it was just off. And even that mystique of him walking into the locker room. And there was, you know, all these hardcore, tough ass people, every wrestler there, you know, showing respect to him, but all the young up-and-comers like myself, Sandman, were like so humbled to be in this guy's presence because you knew you were in the presence of greatness. And it was just, on the flip side, I then went to his house and hung out with him 
and Sabu. And I was just like still in awe of this guy. But like for me, and you know, I, I you know how much I love this business. I didn't want to see him in his gym shorts and a t-shirt, you know, just hanging out. I wanted to just see, I wanted him to like throw a fireball at me at, me at the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, you know, I'm going to tell you a, a great story. We were, this is when the heyday of the Crockett's, when we had the Great American Bash, we were on tour for 72 nights. And I said to Dusty, I was in the office at the time, I said, Dusty, bring back the Sheik and put you and the Sheik together because you'd be a baby face for the first time in that building and put me and Murdoch against you and the, the Sheik. I said, we'll sell that building out because just the Sheik alone coming back as a baby face, he said, Ah, we're not going to sell it out. I said, I'll tell you what. I bet you $500 will sell that building out. He said, okay, you're on. So we had a cage match. And without saying a word, it was the only time this ever happened to me, guys. We had a double switch in the tag match. I ended up being the Sheik's partner and Murat ended up being Dusty's partner and we did sell out and it was such an exciting thing for me because I used to go to Japan and I would go out with Sabu uh, to kind of protect the sheet not that he needed protecting but to make sure no crazies came up behind him or anything so uh, it, it was very very enjoyable my time and I got to spend a lot of time around the sheep outside of the business too like you you did and, and like you said it's a little bit of a disappointment <laughs> when he is and going ooh 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 and playing <laughs> up in the sky you know so, yeah. Kevin um, you know the business has changed and I know you still follow up yeah. on it and you look at the business, your job was, and you controlled the environment, but I know at times uh, the environment got too hostile where you were part of riots and you were part of people wanting to kill you. Where can you tell some of those stories of like riots or fighting, literally fighting for your life to get to the back? Yeah, the, I have some funny ones too. The funny one I have is Chris, you know, people always talk about Dusty not wanting to do jobs. Dusty was a very smart booker. He did jobs when people didn't expect them. I'll give you an example. Uh, we did this thing. We built, booked a loser-leave town in a cage in St. Pete. And back in the day, St. Pete was the town, so you built it for a month. So I was on top in Tampa and all the towns around, and it was either with Barry or, or uh, Blackjack, and I got beat right in the middle of the ring for two weeks. So everybody knew I was going. And that's the infamous Jake the Snake Santa Claus coming down when there's all kinds of Santa Claus in the uh, audience 
and Jake gave me the atomizer. I stuck it down Dusty's throat, knocked him out, and then hence the appearance of the Midnight Rider. And the good thing about the Midnight Rider was the Midnight Rider that followed two weeks later beat Rick Flair for the world title, but the stipulation was that if he won the belt, he didn't have to tell anybody who he was, but he had to show Bob Geigel who he was. So Dusty wins the belt, the belt gets stripped, and who who caused the belt to get stripped? But the guy, you know, that beat him to become the Midnight Rider, Dusty. In Tommy Hughes spent a lot of time around Dusty. Dusty didn't just go from A to B. Dusty could run through the alphabet pretty quickly. Absolutely. When you look at what you were able to do, and I, I would say that, Tommy, that five-year run in, you know, in for Florida and championship wrestling from Florida. Like when I think of a heel, I automatically think of you, Mr. Sullivan, because I couldn't imagine anyone ever cheering you, you know, because of what you did to Dusty Rhodes. It's not only hatred, but fear. Like, you know, for me as a young wrestling fan, I feared you. I was afraid of you. You know, the pictures of you in wrestling magazine would bring a chill down my spine. And, and, and I'm sure that the reaction in every arena you went into was that same way. I mean, when you look back at that time and that magical period of pro wrestling, could you ever imagine anyone ever getting on their feet and cheering you during that time? No, no, but as Tommy will tell you, the reason why every babyface put me over like I was King Kong. I mean, I was five eight two fifty, and Blackjack, and I'm and I'm not going down off my feet, Blackjack Mulligan. I, I'm just uh, a friend of mine. Uh, happened to uh, call me up that he was watching the tape he had gotten to wrestling because of me. And he said, there's no way Andre the Giant was that big. I said, why? He said, well, he's punching you in the head and all you're doing is shaking your head. I said, well, you know, my, my thing was these guys, I had Billy Graham, I had one of the greatest baby faces of all time besides Dusty was uh, Barry Windham at Barry's height, you know, he looked like a movie star. When you threw him over the top rope, he very seldom touched. He splattered on the cement floor, and when he was crawling in, I'd make sure that I picked out a good-looking girl, and I'd run down that apron and kick his head off, you know? And... uh you have to have the baby faces, mm. and they were the ones that created the fear. Because I always thought of myself as, you know, the alien. Remember the scene? They're at the dinner table, and the guy starts convulsing, and the alien pops out, and he's about six inches tall. Yeah. Well, what if they're gonna fly swatter swatter the alien, and the alien was dead? 
So at the end of the movie, is the alien really that big or has he became that big in your mind? And that's what they did for me. I mean, I had Billy Graham, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, I had a host of others come through uh, to support me. I had uh, Flair as my partner. I had Viper as my partner. I had the crumb, the crumb to really uh, help me along. I mean, I'd like to be an egomaniac and say, uh, yeah, most of it was mine. Most of it was theirs struggling to get my ass over. And, you know, I always talk, you know, me and Raven, what the best part of that feud was it spawned so many other characters. And a lot of that was borrowed from you with when you talk about great characters that you surrounded yourself with and you literally would turn people from good to evil, you know, uh, woman, you had Purple Haze, you had yep. uh, Muckham, uh, not Muckham Singh, Bob Roop. Well, Mayim Singh, that's what, it, that's what he was, right? Luna Vachon, yeah, Superstar, Billy, Superstar Billy Graham. You had this right. act of like all, Mike Davis, you know, who was an enhancement talent. You turned yep. him into, you know, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, all the things that you had did, there was no boundary for you, you know, blinding Dusty's sister or you know, stabbing Dusty, uh, Blackjack Mulligan, who took it for Dusty. There was no line you wouldn't cross because you knew that was your job to be the bad guy. Right. And, you know, uh, the thing about that is you got to say to yourself, you have to, I believe, there has to be, if you're into that run, you cannot go more than eight weeks without doing something horrific. I mean, you can go out and beat people up. But one time I remember this. The road warriors were coming in and business was down. And they came to me and said, you have to draw hundred over $100,000 this week. And we didn't have all the major towns. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we've got a big guarantee on the robot is an elevator, and you have to do it. So Mulligan stepped up and said, I got an idea. We'll get a bottle. You're going to tape the bottle, and it was a, a LaCroix bottle, and we were doing an angle, and Jack came out, and I took the bottle and broke it shoved it in Jack's face. Well, you know, maybe it's not the smartest thing in the world today, but he cut himself and it was bleeding all over the place. And he was out for the week. And uh, when when Road Warriors came in, we did huge business. So we had the baby faces. I don't think I could, I know I couldn't have done it without the baby faces that I had. That's for sure. And at that time, Tommy, you know what it reminded me of? Going into an ECW dressing room. Everybody was a family. Everybody wanted it to work. And that was the good thing back then, was the difference between the first match and last match 
was not that different. If you made two grand a week on top, the guys underneath were making at least $900. So it was like, hey, let's get behind uh, whoever because they're putting bread on the table. So, yeah, it, 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 it reminded me of ECW. Dave, let me tell you a quick story. I, uh, Kevin will remember it when I start telling him. We're working in the Bahamas, and we talk about, I, I don't know Kevin that much, but I'm starting to form a friendship with him. And we're working for a company, uh, ICW with the Savoldis, and uh, a mutual friend of ours, Tony Rumble. He's the booker, but he, he's learning a lot, you know, under the Kevin Sullivan tree. And again, you talk about great minds. Kevin's, you know, sat under the tree of Eddie Graham as well. And so we're doing a show in the Bahamas. And it's Na- it's called Nassau Coliseum. Looks nothing like the real Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> and there's a guy uh, named Tyree Pride, and he's the Haitian sensation. And he's going to tag with Joe Savoldi against Kevin Sullivan and Taz. Now, when you talk about no boundaries in uh, the Bahamas, the president was overtaken and beheaded for real by this other militia and the government has been overthrown and they have a guy who's identical to the person who legit murdered and chopped off the head of this leader. And they have this guy and Kevin Sullivan says he's bringing him and they're shooting promos with this guy who looks like him and he's bringing him to the, to the venue. Oh boy. And they're having the match. I wrestled three times already that night. Now the guy gets cold feet because he's going to get death threats or murdered because he overthrew the government. And everyone's thinking this is real. So they're like, well, we can't not listen to this promise. And dude, I tell you, I'm 20 years old. And Kevin comes up to me, he goes, you have to put on this mask and act like you're this guy. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And... He's just like, you have to do it. And I'm like, okay. When you go to the ring there, they had chicken wire surrounded uh, to get to the ring. And then it just opened up like old school NWA where you had this one barrier. So they're getting ready for the end of the match. And I'm waiting for my cue. And I have to run down in a mask and fatigues. And Evan's like, take the inside out bump. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And he's just like, uh, they, he's just going to ram Taz into you. You flip into the ring and the guy's going to pin you. And I was like, okay, they do that. I get pinned and they realize like, here I come running. And I think I had like a fake machete. <laughs> I, t- I get pinned one, two, three. And all of a sudden I look Taz and Kevin are gone and they're running to the back. And I'm now left there alone with all these people are coming to murder the person who murdered their leader. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I fought for my life to get through the thing. And they had this door of the locker room, like was an old school castle door that they would slam the wood shut so they couldn't get there. And as I run to the back, I see Sullivan by the door. And dude, I'm fighting my way through chicken wire as they're throwing urine, punching me. 
and Kevin slowly starts closing the door and I'm like, please don't let me die. And he's laughing. I run back and he's sitting there. He's like, that's what it's like to be a heel. That's what it's like to be a heel. They slam the door shut and like, they won't let us leave. And then he's like, take your outfit off, change it to your baby face outfit, change it to, and like, I quickly take off the stuff. We wait, wait, they're waiting for us. We have to chill in the back the whole time. Finally, they come in and like security wants to kill me too. And they open the door and I'm just sitting there by myself. And they're like, where is he? And I'm like, he went that way. And then they all, they all went the other way. So thanks, Kevin, for making me almost die when That's I was amazing. On, on vacation. Yeah, no. But if you think of the levels you're, to be a heel, you're welcome. what he did. Um, you know what, Mr. Sullivan? I had more questions, but we have to end it on that because it, it can't get any better than that story. No. Mr. S- oh, boy. <laughs> Thanks for getting me killed, Kev. Thank you. Thanks for teaching me a valuable lesson. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Yeah, EC3 was a damn good heel back in TNA, Tommy. Um, before we had Ted DiBiase, one of the greatest heels of all time, uh, we are going to give away another pack of tickets for the virtual fan experience with Ted DiBiase. For those who don't win, all you have to do is go to tedtickets.com. Again, that's tedtickets.com, Tommy, to be a part of this virtual experience. But right now, Tommy, why don't we give away our final pack of tickets? That's right. We are now giving you your chance to win four tickets to a virtual fan experience with the Million Dollar Man. So, cool. Right now, give us a call. I think we'll pick caller number three right now. So caller number three at 877-344-4893. Again, 877-344-4893. Right now for your chance to win a set of tickets to this virtual experience with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. No purchase necessary to enter or win. Must be a U.S. resident to win and at least 18 years old. So again... You know, good luck, and let's see who wins. And again, if you don't, just go to tedtickets.com to be a part of this wonderful experience, Tommy. Before we go out to the Busted Open Nation, are you ready for my top five heels of all time? Yes, and I'm trying to think of being a heel. Why don't we scalp these giveaways? We'll go old school wrestling, scalp the giveaways, and we'll make a little side cash, and then just say, hey, Teddy, these are free. But meanwhile, we made the fans pay for it. <laughs> I could be a heel. I, I love the ring idea. With a fake machete. I uh, almost get killed. <laughs> it's amazing while you're drinking a protein shake while doing the show. You are amazing. All right, here are my top feel, top five heels. Again, Tommy. Usually, you and I share a brain when it comes to our list, but only two heels that are on your list that are on my list. But here we go at number five. And you knew I was going to throw out this name, Tommy, because 
I always say that the first wrestler I fell in love with, you know, the first time I ever watched pro wrestling was Tommy Wildfire Rich. One of my greatest feuds and my favorite feuds of all time was Tommy Fire Tommy Wildfire Rich with this man, and that is Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, Tommy, at number five. Good pick, good pick. And like I said, every top babyface needs a top heel, and that feud really, really helped the both of them. At number four, somebody that I always hated. I know that you said at the end of his career, quickly became a babyface, but I know him as the Russian nightmare, Ivan Koloff at number four. Great, great pick. Fabulous pick. He's in my top 10. Okay. At number three, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who we just spoke to. And again, if you missed a moment of any of our Heel Day show, our interviews with Ted DiBiase or Kevin Sullivan, go to SiriusXM app and listen to us on demand. Watch the videos that Mike the Video Guy does and Daniela does on the SiriusXM app. And of course, subscribe and like the Busted Open podcast. Number three, Ted DiBiase. At number two... Somebody who wasn't on your list, which I thought was going to be somebody that was definitely the combination of hatred and fear at number two, Abdul the Butcher. Yeah, um, I get it. And when the whole hatred and fear thing, but to me, he was never in the territory too long. He was a different version of an Andre the Giant because he always was. He was always like the the surprise bad guy enforcer. So like that's why I knew when he came to town it was trouble, but he wouldn't be there that long. And a lot of times, you know, there was never any clean finishes back then. Not that I cared, but Abdullah definitely for like all the bloodshed that and, and like his fear factor. Yes, but for me, he wasn't a. I don't know. It just didn't resonate that way. All right, and number one. I'm shocked that this wasn't your number one, uh, but the man we just spoke to a few minutes ago, the Prince of Darkness himself, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, um, the only reason why he wasn't is because of the numbers that Vince did. That was how my discerning factor was. But yeah, Kevin was Kevin's a great heel. Always, always was, always will be. And, you know, his... His psychology, especially that one thing that he said, what he couldn't make up for in height, he made up for it in his work and his aggressiveness of being a top guy. And I remember him specifically when he told that Andre story, I remembered him jumping off the second rope or doing stuff off the second rope, like his chops to wear down Andre. But to me, he was doing that as leverage, but then there's also the visuals of him choking Andre. And when you're looking at that photo, because that's how a lot of us got it, or even those stills, he's the same height then as Andre the Giant. And it's yeah. those psychological things yep. that at times are missing. They really, really are. Because like well, I said, I mean, I don't envision Kevin Sullivan as five foot eight. No, no, not at all. Not at all. You think all. of this man as a monster. And a lot of these lists are, like you said earlier, it's what you envision why. This isn't a list that we can argue uh, about. It's just what drew fear or drew like hatred for you, that emotion. We got from uh, Dax from The Revival or the fourth, F The Revival. Uh, he said Don Morocco, Roddy Piper, Tully Blanchard, Cornette and the Midnights, and Vince. A lot of wrestlers chiming in. I love it. 
shockingly, we have a difference of opinion with somebody. Who do you think that person is, David? Bully. <laughs> Bully healed us. Uh, he's not even on the show and he's healing us. And he wrote, doesn't tag us either. If you're complying, uh, compiling a list of top five greatest heels of all time and Freddie Blassie and the original Seek aren't on it, your list is invalid. So he just healed us on our own show and he's not even on. I know. An angry man. And and Bully could be on that list as well because he's definitely one of the great. I he's mean, on he everyone's would be, hated list for real. Yes, he's definitely number one heel on Busted Open. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we have our winner, our second winner. Boom, we gave away those like that, those virtual experiences. Again, go to tedtickets.com to be a part of it. Let's go out to our winner for the Million Dollar Man virtual experience. Let's go out to Tim in Ohio. Tim, congratulations, my friend. Thanks, guys. Hey. So no, this is going to be awesome. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So do you have a question when you join this for Ted DiBiase? I've got a few. I'm going to try to start kind of narrowing down on a sheet of paper or something. At least make, have something to go into it with. Nice. Yeah. Nice, Tim. Again, make that laminated list of questions for Ted DiBiase when you're a part of this virtual experience. Again, Tim, congratulations, man, and have a fun time, brother. Uh, thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. You, you, you got it. Love giving things to the Busted Open Nation. Let's go right out to the nation because we got a lot of people holding. So let's go out to Joe in North Carolina. Our good friend Joe. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much. I got my top five as well. And, uh, my number five is Muhammad Hassan. I hated that guy for every reason there was. Number four, Rick Rude with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hated, hated him. Number three, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Number two, New Jack. Number one, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Nice. I like it, Joe. Joe, that's a good list, buddy. I mean, you know, again, having million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, can't go wrong with that. Let's go back out to the nation. Let's go out to Rufus in South Dakota. Rufus, what's going on? What's going on? How y'all doing today? What's up, Rufus? Okay, my top my top list is Wade Barrett, uh, uh, Moolah, China, Scary Cherry, and my number one is greater than Shawn Michaels' heel turn is Dave LaGreca when he super kicked the WWE for AEW. I never super kicked the WWE for AEW. First of all, Rufus, I love all of wrestling. Second, it's amazing to me, Rufus. I mean, you know, I get shit from WWE fans that I that I, I'm in love with AEW. Then I get shit from AEW fans to say that I'm in love with the WWE. I can't win, Rufus. I can't win. Hey, Dave. Dave, you know my stance on this. We had this conversation plenty of times. So you are my greatest heel. Well, you know what, Rufus? I'm banned from AEW, and I think uh, Edge actually banned me from WWE, though he doesn't have that right to do it. At least at least Cody has well, the right. Edge doesn't have the right. Listen, you, know, you were so. just on Impact Television, Dave. You're banned from both those companies now. For that's good. right. 
That's right. You want to know something? You know what my favorite show is? The one who had me on TV, Impact Wrestling. So my favorite's not AEW or WWE. It's Impact, Rufus. Hey, Dave, I still yes. love you, though. You, 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 you're my hero. You, you love to hate me. Rufus, you're my favorite caller. Thanks for the call. I love Rufus. I love Rufus. And somebody else who I love and probably is my favorite caller of the 11 years that this show has been on the air, Tommy, is Mark from Texas. What's going on, Mark? Hi, Dave. I'm just happy to be on. I mean, I, I listen to your show every day. Uh, it's, it's like the best show in the world. Well, you know, Mark, it is the best show in the world. And thanks for calling today, Mark. Who's your favorite heel of all time, Mark? And I don't want to hear Mark Henry. I want to hear somebody else than Mark Henry. Because every every time I ask you a question, Mark, from Texas, your answer is always Mark Henry. It's always, who's the greatest wrestler of all time? Mark Henry. Who's the greatest babyface of all time? Mark Henry. Who's the greatest opponent for The Undertaker? Mark Henry. Who's the, who's in the greatest match of all time? Mark Henry. So, Mark in Texas, is there another answer other than Mark Henry for the greatest heel of all time? Well, if you don't put yourself over, then who is going to do it? <laughs> But you know what, man? I'm gonna get. I'm gonna run it down real fast, and then I, we're gonna talk about it. I, I, I would have to say the the nation of domination, um, which is me putting myself over again. <laughs> Go ahead. The Freebirds, the Freebirds. I grew up watching them just completely destroy the whole Texas landscape. I mean, True. they they for years and years. The Freebirds destroyed everybody. And I heard the guy call early on the show, say, Rick Rude, listen, man, I, I've never had abs. And I hate everybody that have abs still. But he was the first person that I ever looked at and go, I just hate him. I don't know why I hate him. I just hate him. And then, of course, he was his talent was undeniable. And then, I, I mean... <clears throat> As, as much as you didn't want him on the list, uh, I would have to say that uh, Vince McMahon, he wrestled. He's, you know, the ultimate heel. Um, and then Kevin Sullivan. Like, yeah. I wanted to put I, I wanted to put Bruiser Brody on the list. But as a little kid, Bruiser Brody, I, I liked him like I like Ric Flair. When, yep. when Bruiser Brody came down, uh, I cheered. I was like, yeah, because I, I knew I was going to get to see somebody get their ass beat. And that's that's why I eliminated Bruiser Brody from my list. But, I mean, you got to put uh, Kevin Sullivan up there. Like, as a child, I was legit scared. Like, I mean, I, I, I talked to him when I was in uh, at the Cauliflower Alley Club in Vegas uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And I started stumbling over my words because I thought he was going to take my soul. <laughs> I'm a grown-ass man. I eat people for fun. <laughs> and I'm standing there stumbling over my words. Like, he still had an, a, a psychological effect on me. So, um, yeah, Kevin Sullivan is the scariest dude I, I, I remember from wrestling. 
I love what Mark just said, that Mark eats people for fun. It's not for nourishment. It's not like that movie Alive when he's stuck up on a mountain and he has to eat people in order to live. Mark just does it for fun. <laughs> so so maybe, Mark, you are one of the greatest heels of all time. I, I think I've said more heelish things than done. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, let me ask you something. I just saw your thing with Steve Austin. I was gonna, I was gonna call you out on social media. How do you say that Big Show has a bigger appetite than myself? I beat Big Show in an eating contest. Man, I don't remember that. I, I, if yeah, I, had, listen, I, I ate had more that. pieces of pizza than him. You and I have had the wow. meat sweats together. How dare you say someone could eat more than me? You know what? I apologize, Tom. You know I'm not. I'm not malicious. I had Go no back on that intent. show and rectify. I'm going to have. Listen. I'm going to make. I'm going to post today that I had a conversation on Busted Open with Tommy Dreamer, and he did enlighten me to the fact that he beat the Big Show in an eating contest. So thank you. I take you seriously. Still real I, to me. I sat with. I sat with Big Show at, at um, Carnegie Deli one time, and I watched him eat a whole, that big giant stack sandwich of pastrami and corned beef. And I had sandwiches for three more days after that. I just, I, I couldn't believe that he ate that whole damn thing. I ate five and a half feet of sandwich at Taz's engagement party. Five and a half feet of a sandwich I ate by myself. Holy shit. It's six hours, but I didn't. Now, if we're talking about great heels, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) I worked Mark Henry many, many times. And when his music hit, people would be like, oh, shit. And Mark did little nuances that he learned later by giving people looks and just stopping, or sometimes he'd whip his hair and get the fans all wet. And you'd see like a row of people be like, I'm sorry, like back up. And there was very few people that would ever, they jaw jack when he turned his back to them. But when he was facing them, people were jaw jacking, but they would do it very, very cautiously. And uh, Mark was a great heel. Hey, he was fortunate to work all the time. Tommy, can I, can I tell you a, a funny story? Well, I guess it's not funny. It was funny to me because I'm just that sadistic, but I was wrestling Nick Densmore in Louisville, Kentucky. And this guy in the crowd called me the N-word. And I I was looking right at him when he said it. And I picked Nick up and I slammed him and I screamed probably as loud as I've ever screamed in wrestling, stay there. And I rolled out of the ring and brother, it looked like Moses part in the Red Sea. <laughs> and I walked up to this guy and I said, say it again to my face. And he started shaking like a horror movie shaking. And I was like, you got, he grabbed the chair. And I said, you gonna hit me with the chair? Hit me with the chair. And I said, I closed my eyes. And I said, I'm begging you to hit me with this chair. My eyes are closed. You can do it right now. It ain't. It was nowhere safe on in this universe or any other universe if he had hit me with that chair, because that would have been the first time a human got ate in oh front of a God. crowd for real. I'm talking about like a lion chasing down prey and eating it all 
it would have been the worst story in the history of pro wrestling. I'm I'm glad the guy came to his senses and started apologizing. Well, I'm sure, so, Mark, that everyone smelled uh, piss and shit at that moment as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.